Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 7 as we continue in our series, uh, Free at Last. I'm going to be reading uh, to you this morning uh, verses 8 uh, through 24. So listen to the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, uh, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord has said. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. Take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. You shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. The Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff, stretch it out over the waters of Egypt, over, the ri over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise, thanks, glory, and honor. First, Lord, for these offerings that were presented, we give you praise. Uh, that you give so generously to us, and uh, we are grateful for the opportunity to be able to give back to you. Father, we pray now, as all of us sit under the authority of your Word together, that you would do that work in us through your Word by the power of the Spirit. Would you renew us and transform us? Would you shape us into the image of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ? We pray and ask it in his name. Amen. Uh, one of the definitions of the word uh, myth is this, a person or thing having only an imaginary or unverifiable existence. Uh, Harvey, Harvey Kahn, uh, who was a uh, professor of missions at Westminster Seminary, has a, he has a great lecture on myth 
uh, in his lectures on the Old Testament and the poor, uh, lesson one. Uh, you can check it out uh, on Westminster Seminary's website. You can just Google it. It's worth the listen. If you, if you haven't uh, heard uh, Harvey Kahn's Old Testament uh, in the poor and New Testament in the poor, it, it's worth spending the time uh, uh, to, to, to listen to it. Um, it, it. It has shaped a lot of my own uh, sort of biblical theology about God's heart uh, for the poor. But, but in, that, in that lecture, he talks about, he talks about myth, and he, and he talks about uh, how uh, ancient Near Eastern cultures, how, uh, how, how their deities functioned in those cultures, and, uh, and how they worked uh, to create this, this, this oppressive, uh, this oppressive uh, regime, uh, empire, culture. And all idolatry, brothers and sisters, of course, uh, is myth. All, all idolatry is, is myth. Uh, as the Scriptures teach us, that, that there is no other God save our Lord. And yet, and yet our cultures, even today, are, are, filled, are filled with false gods in the midst as, uh, that we as human beings in our rebellion against God build up about and around them. Uh, the, these myths, of course, they, they enable us to, to distance ourselves from relationship with the Lord and the responsibilities we have uh, in relationship with Him. Uh, they enable us as, as, as well to, to engage in all manner of injustice toward our fellow image bearers, especially those who are not from our own culture, our, our, our tribe, our nation, our language, our people. So, so no wonder, no wonder then, uh, God, in, in bringing His salvation, not only acknowledges the existence uh, of these myths, the, these false gods, and the, and the stories we build up around them, but he judges them. He, he judges those myths. He, he breaks their power uh, over our lives. And the ten plagues, as we have come to call them, demonstrate uh, God's commitment to this very thing, to, to work salvation on behalf of his people by judging the myths, the, the false gods of this world and their oppressive power. The, the Exodus story, and particularly the judgment meted out in these plagues, isn't simply about God uh, taking on an, an, an egomaniacal human being, but, but God's taking on and defeating a whole system of myths. Of, of false gods and their power, which not only led to Israel's physical oppression, but to the oppression of all those who were subject to those lies, subject to the propaganda used to further those lies, those myths. And, and just, just, look at the, just look at the history of the world as well, uh, as, the, as, the, uh, uh, as the current state of affairs in many parts of the world, including our own country, and tell me that myth and idolatry is not still operative. How else can whole groups of people be, be persecuted, be marginalized and enslaved simply because of the color of their skin or, 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 or the tribe from which they hail or the gender into which they were born? How, how else can one man's ego, maniacal passions lead to a war which is killing and displacing and forever altering negatively the futures of so many people? We, we can tie these things to whatever social, psychological, or political motivations we want, but the biblical narrative ties it to our worship of our own myths, the, the lies we tell ourselves about who is really in control of the world and to whom we really owe our worship and our loyalty. And God has come to break the power 
of the hold of those myths, those lies over our lives. This is, a, this is actually a huge part of what God does in saving us. This is what Paul declares in Romans 1, after noting humanity's giving over of itself to the myths and lies in his generation, Paul declares his confidence in what we who have put our faith in Jesus now know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In the gospel, brothers and sisters, God saves us from our sinful faith in our own myths and works faith in us in the truth about His salvation that has come in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, He brings us into the truth that He alone is God, that He alone is Savior, that He alone is Lord. And the only way to a right relationship with Him in which we learn through the Spirit to do what is right in the world is through faith in Jesus. What's happening in the text before us is pointing to this truth that would find its ultimate meaning and completion in our Lord. In Him, God has set us free from all our sin and from all the myths that our sin caused and causes us to produce. What I want to do this morning is I want to take a deeper, uh, a deeper look into God's judgment on these myths to show us the nature of uh, God's salvation and how it does and should continue to work its power in our lives today. So I want, I want to start by, 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 by saying this, God's judgment exposes, God's judgment exposes the counterfeit nature of our false gods, the, the counterfeit nature of, of the false gods of this world. Listen, listen again to, to verses uh, verses 10 uh, through 12. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became ser serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And then verses 20 to 24, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff, struck the water in the Nile, and the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. As, as the battle ensues, if you will, uh, between God and the gods, of, the gods of Egypt, whom Pharaoh represents, uh, we read of two, two miraculous signs. And the second one is considered as part of uh, the ten plagues, while the first one is not. Uh, the first miraculous sign comes as a, as a request from Pharaoh uh, for Moses and Aaron to prove their authority, the, the power of their God to require, uh, to require Pharaoh to let Israel be set free. And of course, God knows this request will be made, and He prepares Moses and Aaron to respond to it with the same sign that Moses and Aaron uh, had uh, been tasked to perform before Israel to prove to them that God had come to deliver them. But what I want you to notice in, in both encounters is the response of Pharaoh's administration in both events. 
Uh, in both instances where the Lord confronts Pharaoh with his power, Pharaoh summons his magi- magicians to try and replicate the sign performed through Moses and Aaron. And, and in both instances, the text seems to suggest that the magicians, in fact, did replicate the sign. However, uh, upon digging a little deeper, it, it's clear that this is, this, is, this is not, in fact, the case. Uh, notice that Pharaoh calls two groups, but it's only the magicians that are said to have participated in attempting to replicate the sign. That they were magicians immediately suggests that there was some uh, sleight of hand going on uh, involved in their efforts to replicate the power of God. What what they did was not actually replication at all, but but trickery, uh, an attempt to deceive the eyes and the heart, which of course worked in the case of Pharaoh, whose heart was already predisposed to doubt anything that Uh, Moses and Aaron would do. After all, he had his own gods and believed in their control over over his environment more so than in the power of God. But but what what unveils the counterfeit nature of the power of the magicians even more is their inability to reverse the consequences of what God had done. Uh, The snakes they produced were devoured by the Lord's staff, which had turned into a snake and then back into a staff after devouring the magician's snakes. The magicians had no ability to counter this, and while, while they had supposedly turned the water from the Nile into blood, uh, another trick, since they were, were able to duplicate, they were not able to duplicate the scale of what God had just done. They had no ability to reverse what God had done through Moses and Aaron in polluting the water of the Nile and from the Nile that was in the jars and pots throughout Egypt. The people, in fact, had to dig wells to get water because the magicians had no real power to reverse what God had done. Indeed, their claims of control, of ultimate power over their environment, was shown up by God to be false. And thus, the gods they were trusting in as giving them that power were also shown up by God to be false. These gods, brothers and sisters, had no real control over anything. They were little more than the imaginations of men who were using their own human power to exploit and oppress and mistreat others. And here's the import of that for us today. The gods we have made with our own hands, the gods we think give us control over our environment that we use to exploit and mistreat and oppress others are also counterfeit gods. And God is committed in Christ to showing up those gods for the counterfeits they are. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. Make no mistake, those enemies include the idols we sometimes worship that cause us to dishonor God and dishonor our neighbor. And these gods exist in every arena of our life, in the political, in the social, in the economic, in the ecclesial, familial, communal aspects of our lives. And God is committed by His Spirit to searching them out in our lives and judging them for what they are, counterfeits, in order that we might be drawn to worship Him and Him alone 
as Lord. So the call here, brothers and sisters, is to not be deceived by the allure of the false gods around us. Remember that even despite the great deliverance God is about to work for His people in this defining event in their lives, the people are going to have periods throughout their history where where they're actually going to give themselves over to false gods, the false gods of the nations. In fact, there's going to be a point in the story of of the Exodus where no sooner than the people get out of Egypt, they will turn and create a false god and attribute to that god their deliverance from Egypt. And how tempting is it for us to do the same thing, to attribute our personal deliverances to someone or something other than the Lord. But this story is here to remind us afresh that the gods we have made are no gods at all. Our money is not the Savior. Our politics is not the Savior. Our education is not the Savior. Our social networks are not the Savior. And God will expose the counterfeit nature of those false gods and the hold they have on us to set us free from their power. And you know how you know, how you know if those gods, if, 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 if those false gods have a hold on you, you know, you know how you know if they have a hold on you? What happens when the Lord takes them away? What, what, what happens when the Lord judges them? What, what happens when He removes those idols from power? What, what, what do you do when he, when he swallows up those false gods, when, when He troubles the waters of the things that uh, you have set your hope and trust on? What happens when He starts swallowing up your political hopes? What happens? when He swallows up your material hopes? What happens when He swallows up your physical hopes? Do do you turn to Him, examining your own heart and asking Him to root that idolatry out of you? Or, Or do you just keep turning to new idols to save you? God's… God's judgment on our idols is to expose them for what they are, counterfeits, and to draw us toward Himself the only true and living God. Amen, people of God. God's judgment, God's judgment, God's judgment, uh, His judgment exposes the counterfeit nature of our false, our false gods, but His judgment also reveals the sinful nature of the human heart in submission to those false gods. Pay attention again to verses, uh, verses 13 and then, and then 23 and 24. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord has said. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord said. Uh, Pharaoh, uh, verse 23, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. There's a sense in which we can look at the stubbornness of Pharaoh's heart and distance ourselves from it. Pharaoh's hard-heartedness has a special place in redemptive history in that God used it as a means of displaying His saving power, His covenant faithfulness to His covenant people. He used it to confront the myth of the false gods, not only of Egypt, but by extension all the false gods of the nations of the earth. His sinful hard-heartedness provided the backdrop 
of the defining event in the lives of God's people until the death and resurrection of Jesus, the fulfillment of all of God's saving promises. And, and, and so in one sense, we can, we, can, we can point to Pharaoh and say, I, I, I may be stubborn, but, but at least I'm not that dude. Uh, but, but, it's, but, but it's not just the hard-heartedness of Pharaoh that we actually see in these verses. Uh, l- look again at verse 24. Uh, even in the midst of a severe trial, one that had been accomplished by the Lord, over, overpowering what, what the Egyptians looked to as the source of life, what, what they looked to as, in fact, a God itself, the Nile, the Egyptians continued to put their trust in their own king and their own gods. They, they didn't turn to Moses and Aaron in faith. They just dug holes in the ground to, to try and get around the judgment that, that God had just meted out against them. That is, it, it wasn't just Pharaoh's heart that was hard. The people themselves were participants in the same stubborn refusal to bow to the Lord of all the earth. They, they didn't stand back and, and, and examine uh, themselves and their practices. They didn't, they didn't stand back and question uh, the oppressive policy of their Pharaoh. They didn't, they didn't ask themselves if, if this was perhaps an indication that they were wrong and God was right. They just kept on living under the same lie that they had been living under for centuries. The, the, the lie that told them that they were special and everyone else was not. The, 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 the lie that told them they were valuable and everyone else was not. The, 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 the lie that, 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 that told them that they deserved to be privileged and everyone else not. And, and here's the thing, they, they, they were willing to continue in that lie even when that lie was beginning to be unraveled. They, they were willing to endure the, the severity of their current trial, which should have convinced them that something about their worldview was off. Something about the way they were, they were looking at the world was off, but, it, but instead, of, instead of standing back and, and, and evaluating themselves, instead of standing back and evaluating their practices, instead of standing back and evaluating their, 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 their policies and their, their way of living, they just, they just dug holes. They, they just dug deeper holes in the ground. <laughs> I wonder if that happens today. <laughs> I wonder if people, if people and, and groups of people continue in their hard-hearted stubbornness in worshiping their false gods, even when the lie about those gods starts unraveling, even when the cost of that unraveling begins to be felt in their lives and in the spaces they hold dear. Can I tell you it happens all the time? Can I, can I tell you it happens all the time? And can I tell you that the exposure of that sinful stubbornness, though an aspect of God's judgment, is meant to grab our attention so that we will turn away from that stubbornness and toward the worship of the only true and living God. God said to Pharaoh, I am doing this that you might know that I am the Lord. There is no one beside me. You've, you've heard me speak in the past about uh, the importance of humility. Uh, pride pride and, 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 and arrogance are, are such dangerous things, and yet we in our sin are, are actually prone to them. We are prone to, the, to, to deceive our own hearts and, and to attribute our deliverances to our own strength 
We, we want to believe in our own power so, so, so much that even in the face of that power being shown up as false, we, we will simply double down. We will simply double down on our belief that we are in control or, or, or in keeping with the narrative, we will double down on the belief that our false gods are in control. The Egyptians didn't humble their hearts before the displays of God's power in the, in the beginning of these plagues. Rather, they, they, they just dug wells, convincing themselves that the story of the Nile's power as a God was still true. Can I ask you this morning? Just, 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 you don't have to tell me how to raise your hand. It's okay. Where are you digging in the ground? You don't, you don't have to tell your neighbor either. You know, sometimes the past days, turn to your neighbor. You don't have to turn to your neighbor. Where are you digging holes in the ground? Because you are so committed in your sinful stubbornness to your own view of the world and the view of the world that your false gods have given to you. The, the Egyptians didn't humble their heart. They just dug wells. They convinced themselves that the story of the Nile's power as a god was still true. It, they, 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 they convinced themselves the Nile is still in control. Even though we got to dig in the ground and get the water out of it, it's still true. After all, they were, they were able to get fresh water from the wells they dug. <laughs> so, so the story must still be true in some sense, right? They didn't humble themselves. They just kept believing the same lie that they believed before. What about us? The call here is to humble ourselves before the Lord, to believe that it's He who said, to, to, believe, to believe what He says about Himself and to believe that He is who He says He is and does what He says He will do, knowing that only, only He can deliver us. Uh, uh, Peter tells his audience in, in, in 1 Peter, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. But you know what we do, right? We, we it. Uh, and then verse 24, and all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water from the Nile. Uh, so, so, so Egyptian culture, like, like other ancient Near Eastern cultures at that time, was uh, pantheistic in nature. They, they attributed to the created order a, a godlike status. Uh, the Nile, therefore, was, was viewed a, as a god. And so we're called them, including this first miraculous sign of the staff turning into a snake, they're not just signs and wonders for, for signs and wonders' sake. Uh, they, God isn't just putting on a show uh, for the sake of putting on a show. Uh, what, what God is doing when, when His staff swallows up the staffs of the magicians, what, what He's doing when He pollutes not just some of the water in the Nile, but all of it, including the water that was in people's vessels throughout the land. What, what God is doing in this is demonstrating that His power isn't just over some parts of creation, but all of creation. What, what He is doing is demonstrating that His control isn't just over one local territory, but over all the earth. What, what, he, what, what he is showing both His covenant people and the Egyptians is that He is in fact Lord, that He is the creator of the ends of the earth. That, that there is no part of the created order 
over which he does not have authority and power. He, he can do what he wills in the heavens above and in the earth but beneath. And what this means for us is that there is no part of our lives where God is not in control. No, no part of our lives over which he does not lay claim. No part of our lives over, over which he does not have authority to rule. We, we, we can give our worship to other things. We can allow other spaces in our lives to be ruled by other things, but it will not change the fact that God is Lord over all those things. And in all those spaces of our lives that we sometimes give over to other things. And, and let me tell you why this is good news actually for us this morning. The, the false gods of this world that we sometimes turn to, they're cruel. Uh, the, 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 the myths, the, the false gods we turn to, they're cruel. We, we see it in the story, in the oppression of the people of Israel. Our false gods make us cruel, unconcerned about the things we do to each other, unconcerned about our responsibilities to the true and living God. And so God, in judging our idols, shows us the pervasiveness of His power. He rules over everything. He is Lord over all. There is no other God besides Him. Every aspect of our lives belong to Him. And although the Egyptians and even the people of Israel themselves were not fully there at this point in the narrative in terms of their understanding of who God is, God Himself, through the show of His power, was going to lead them to the point of saying with the songwriter, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And I, I surrender all because it all belongs to You anyway. I, I surrender all because You're Lord over every aspect of my life, over every aspect of this world. There is no square inch of this world over which You do not rule, over which You do not have power and control. Ah, and the call here is to surrender every aspect of our lives to the Lord. And, and here's the truth, I just said it, it belongs to Him anyway. There's no area of your life over which God does not lay claim as Lord. So give the Lord what is His due. Prayerfully ask the Lord to help you to truly surrender all to Him. The, the, the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your whole being belongs to Him. And so our daily prayer, not just for the world, but for our individual lives, should be along the lines of how Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come. Your rule come. on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Amen, people of God. And if God's rule is pervasive in the heavens, it, and it is, then it should be pervasive in our lives. But there's no room. There's no room. There's no room for the false gods to rule. And we have to ask ourselves, where are we living like that is not true? Where, we, where are we living like God is not in control of every area of our lives? In fact, what, what spaces in our lives have we left open 
to be controlled not by the Lord, but by some other Lord. God's rule extended not just over the creatures, <laughs> the snakes in this case, but it, 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 it was over the Nile as well. But it was not just over the creatures and the river Nile, it was also over Pharaoh. It was also over the king and the king's house. <laughs> so I just want to remind you this morning that God's rule extends from your house to the White House. There is no part of the world over which he is not Lord. Your false gods are not only counterfeits, they're not only counterfeits, they, they actually have no authority. The rule belongs to God. Amen, people of God. <laughs> so God is the only Savior. He's the only Lord. And He works in our lives in this world to, to demonstrate that truth. And of course, there's no greater demonstrator, demonstration of that than uh, His defeat, right, over our ultimate enemy, sin and death. And of the salvation He's won for us in Christ through that victory, there is no other God but the Lord. And He has proven that, and He will continue to do so in our lives, and He will continue to do so in the world as He does battle with the things we sometimes run to for deliverance. And He does so for the purpose of turning us back to Himself. He does so by exposing the counterfeit nature of our gods, revealing the sinful nature of our hearts in submission to those gods, and, and through the demonstration of, of His power, which is pervasive. He does it, brothers and sisters, that we might repent and that we might find our deliverance in Him and in Him alone. And that deliverance has come to all who put their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen, people of God. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We do give you glory. We do give you honor. We do give you thanks. And we, we thank you that you judge our idols. We, we thank you that, you that you expose them for what they are. We thank you that, that you expose our hearts in, uh, as, as we submit to these things. And, and, and we give you thanks that, that, that really your power is pervasive in every area of our lives so that there is really no space uh, for anyone else to rule because you alone are God. I, I pray, I, I do, that you would lead us into a repentance that calls us to stand back and examine our lives and ask ourselves, where are we putting our hope? Where, where are we putting our trust? What, 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 have we, what, what have we actually, practically given our worship to? Uh, is it you or is it something else? And, and I pray, Lord God, that in that examination, you, you, would, you, you would help us to be sorrowful for, for, for any place in our lives, Lord, where we have made something else God and that you would cause us to repent and turn from that and be drawn back to you. I pray for your people this morning, uh, those who have their faith in you, Lord, I pray that, that, that daily they would be drawn away from the myths of this world, the false idols of this world, and that they would be drawn in their worship toward you. Because truly, Lord, that, 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 uh, our communion with you, it, 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 it is… It is a communion, Lord, in which you are telling us, in, inviting us, encouraging us, admonishing us to lay down our trust in those false things and to put our trust and hope in you. Um, Father, I pray for your people. I pray for myself. I pray for those in this room. I pray for your people throughout this nation, uh, this world, Lord. Help us uh, 
to truly, to truly worship you alone as God and put our hope in you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray this. Amen.